On first down, they hand off to Marlon Mack. Huge hole, 50-yard line. He's at the 40, still going near sideline. He's at the 10, he's at the 5, and he will score. Touchdown, Marlon Mack. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. And again, it's picked off. It's Darius Leonard. Leonard with a second INT, and he's streaking down the near sideline. He's at the 40, he's at the 30, he's at the 20. He's going to go. A pick six for the Maniac. Horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. What is going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. The Indianapolis Colts back-to-back weeks are winners, and they're winners big. The Colts throttle the New York Jets by a score of 36-7. to The Colts, in pretty much every aspect, dominated this game from start to finish. And I wanted to bring on my friend Sam, Sam Sinclair, on to talk about this game and kind of break it down a little bit. Sam, thanks for coming on, man. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. It was pretty good to see the Colts. Do what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to dominate the New York Jets, a, a lesser opponent. And really, they've dominated the last two opponents, the, the Vikings and the Jets, in back-to-back home games. So it's good to see that the Colts are taking care of business early on in the season as they get uh, going here into October. Absolutely. And they are not just winning, they're dominating, like you mentioned. And, you know, the last two games, the Colts at home have allowed a total of 18 points. Well, their defense has also scored 18 points. So if, if that tells you anything about the thorough domination the Colts have had against the Vikings and the Jets, I mean, it's just from start to finish, man. I mean, the Jets scored their first touchdown, their only touchdown in the first quarter. And then for three quarters straight, the Colts allowed them. I don't even think they got close except for one time, and that was an interception in the end zone. Um, overall, this was a thoroughly dominant dominating performance by this Colts defense again for a second straight week. But uh, before we get to kind of talking about the Colts defense, let's talk about this Colts offense. Let's start there. Uh, Phillip Rivers on the day was 17 to 21. So his passing attempts even went down from a week ago um, and majorly down from week one. Uh, he was 17 to 21 for 217 yards, one touchdown, uh, a quarterback rating of 125.6. So overall, a pretty efficient day for Rivers. Didn't really put the ball in harm's way. There was one potential tip pass that almost got intercepted. But other than that, I thought it was a pretty clean game from Rivers. What did you see from Rivers today, or I guess on Sunday? Just really efficient. And that's kind of what we wanted from Philip Rivers coming into Indianapolis. We wanted him you know, to take the deep shots when they were there. We saw, a, I think it was a deep, a deep out route from T.Y. Hilton. It was like a gain of 20 or something like that. Uh, so they're getting those they're getting those chunk plays in the passing game that Frank Reich wanted, and I know Reich talked about wanting about a seven eight yard yard per completion uh, from the quarterbacks, and he's getting that issue with Rivers. I think it's like eight point five right now. Mm-hmm. He wanted the completion percentage to be about I think like sixty seven or sixty eight percent, if I'm correct, and it's up at seventy eight percent right now. Wow. Rivers has been really really efficient so far these first three games, and really if you think about this, Cody. The first pick six of the game, that eliminates one possession from the Colts because instead of, you know, getting that pick and then setting up the offense, the defense scores, and boom, the Jets are on the field twice before the Colts even get on the field. I think the Colts didn't get – their offense didn't touch the field until about the four-minute mark in the first quarter. Yeah. So, really, if you think about it like that, really, most games, if the Colts don't get the ball first, in the four-minute mark in the first quarter, they've touched the ball maybe once, maybe even twice – so really, if you think about it, Rivers didn't play the fourth quarter. He had one possession eliminated from a pick six, probably even the, the TJ Carey one late in the game. That one was also probably eliminated possession. So really think about it. Rivers, if you kind of plan it out even more, he probably would have went like 25 of 30 
or something like that for over 250 yards easily, maybe even another touchdown. So, mm-hmm. you know, the numbers are not going to look gaudy for Phillip Rivers, but you really got to think about it. They didn't really have a whole lot of drives in the game when they were in for our, for, for, for the uh, first team offense. Right, for sure. And like, I know a week ago against the Vikings, they thoroughly dominated in the, in the time of possession. They still won the time of possession, but it was barely like they had a 30, 30 minutes and eight seconds as the jets had 29 52. So it's pretty even there in terms of that. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think somewhere around 30, you know, 25 to 30 attempts because Jacoby Brissett came in late in that game, had about four attempts. So I think that's about right about where you want there. And, you know, the touchdowns are not – haven't been great so far. But, I mean, he – at least he didn't turn it over, which I think is huge for this game. Um, and also, Phillip Rivers, he – I think, believe it was a passing, passing touchdown number 400 today for Phillip Rivers. Um, so, shout out to him. That's a great, great number. I know Dan Marino's next for him to catch. And um, hopefully he can catch him this season. It'll be interesting to see there. But let's move on to the running game. Jonathan Taylor led the way. He had 13 attempts, half of what he had a week ago for 59 yards and a touchdown. Um, He's long this week with 16. Uh, Jordan Wilkins also added nine carries for 39 yards. Uh, His long was 22. Naheem Hines had um, seven attempts for 21 yards. So pretty even split between all these running backs. Um, But, you know, and a lot of people were talking about Jonathan Taylor. There were certain plays where they felt like he could have made better cuts and had better vision and stuff. But, I mean, his average was way up from a week ago. Um, And he had, you know, half the attempts, and he he averaged about four and a half yards per carry. But I'm curious, Sam, what you saw from these three running backs. Well, we we, we come to expect, or we know what we're going to get from Jordan Wilkins every week. It's kind of surprising, though, that I think that Naheem Hines had seven carries in the backfield, I thought that was a little bit surprising. I think Jonathan Taylor didn't even have a carry in the second quarter, if I'm correct. I remember he had seven in the first quarter and didn't have another one until the third quarter, I believe. But really, especially with Jonathan Taylor, I know especially coming out in college, you know, he had the fumbling issues. And mostly that, that was due to a high workload at Wisconsin. So I know that's an emphasis on Taylor to not put the ball on the ground. And we see it almost every time when he carries the ball, that he's got two hands on the ball. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a big emphasis, and that's kind of, you know, we we talk about the miscuts and the misreads sometimes. I think Taylor is doing exactly what he's being asked. It's runs to the hole that's that's the play is designed for, and get as many yards as you can, and not fumble the ball. And you know, you really think about it. Everyone's touting Jonathan Taylor as this great running back, but he's still a rookie. This is his third NFL game. Like he didn't have preseason. It's literally, you know, he's a starter now after just two weeks or three weeks into the season. Um, and, yeah, he's just he's just getting into the flow. And I almost tweeted this out last week. I said, man, once he learns the speed of the NFL and once he's able to see, like, the field a little bit better as a running back, he's really going to take off. And I think that we're going to see Jonathan Taylor, you know, he might only have 15 carries, you know, going into, like, to October, November. But I think he'll start having those 100-yard games where, you know, we're going to see a lot more consistency, a lot more five-yard runs, maybe even bigger chunk plays in the running game. From Taylor, so I think it's all about maturation and maturity for Jonathan Taylor as he continues to uh, continues to uh, grow in the NFL. Yeah, and I'm just like, if this is what Jonathan Taylor is, you know, pretty fresh into the NFL, it's still pretty good. I mean, he's still averaging almost five yards a clip, so uh, definitely think it was a good day for him. I, I love the one run though, specifically his longest run, the 16 yarder. Um, I believe it was in the the second half. 
and where he's just powering it, and he, you know, he's, he has defenders on him. He keeps moving the pile. I mean, that's exactly like you said, Sam. That's what Jonathan Taylor was brought in to do, you know, just get those extra hard yardage. And even that fourth and one, I mean, Jonathan Taylor's the guy you want holding that ball and making that, you know, having him in that goal line situation. So I thought overall, you know, there obviously are some things he can clean up. We saw that last week, even even though he went over 100 yards. But overall, I thought it was a pretty solid day for Jonathan Taylor. And like you said, third career game, second career game as a full-time starter. So uh, I, I'm definitely encouraged with what I see from him. And we just know Jordan Wilkins, man. He He's just going to be uh, consistent. He's going to help you down the stretch. He's done it two weeks in a row where he's really kind of put the – the game's already kind of been put away, but he's – continue to run the clock by getting first downs and being efficient. He's efficient again, running for 4.3 yards per carry on nine attempts. So um, I thought it was a good day overall for the Colts running backs. But yeah, I'm a little bit surprised too that Naheem Hines got so much run um, you know, in the backfield at running the football. It's a little bit surprising. But might have actually, I think he had more I think he had more carries than he did targets, which is even more surprising, especially when you talk yeah. about Naheem Hines. He did. Hines had seven carries and five targets. So yeah. I think that number about 12 – 12 touches for Naheem Hines is kind of basically what you want. But yeah, for him to have seven carries in a game is 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 is, is a pretty big number. And I just think that overall, it's hard to evaluate the offense after the games today just because they didn't have a whole lot of drives. And I mean, when they did have the ball, they did score touchdowns, but they just didn't, you know, they didn't have those long sustaining drives. But they were, I think the one positive we could take from the offense was they were a whole lot better in the red zone today. Yes. Yeah, they were. And um, T.Y. Hilton had a better day, better day too. I mean, he only had three targets. He caught all three for 52 yards. Um, I thought that was a nice, decent bounce back game for Hilton considering, you know, the Colts didn't pass it a ton this week. But I thought Hilton um, really uh, had a nice bounce back game there. Mo Ali cox also had another strong game. Um, only had three targets, but he caught all three as well for 50 yards and another touchdown. Um, you know, Hines, we already talked about, had four, five targets, four catches for 40 yards. Uh, Zach Pascal had two catches on four targets for 34 yards. Michael Pittman had three catches for 26 yards. He left the game at a point, and then he also came back. So that's encouraging. I know when you just see uh, – it seems like every, every week a player goes out and it's something more serious. So it was definitely encouraging to see that it wasn't that, hopefully. Um, but, you know, and Pittman just made – I know he only had a couple couple catches, but I feel like he always makes kind of the clutch catch when you need him to. And that's exactly what you need him to do right now. And then Darice Fountain. Let's talk about Fountain for a second. Uh, you know, just from where he was, even like last year with that injury and coming all the way back now, he has two targets. He catches both of them for 23 yards in some key moments. And I thought he looked really, really good. Um, he's a bigger receiver as well. Uh, what were your thoughts overall from these receivers and tight ends? And I guess running back slash receiver with, with Naheem Hines. Yeah, and something I've noticed really specifically for Rivers, yeah, he gets the ball out fast, but he gets it to everyone. Like, mm -hmm. I think they said on the broadcast that, like, seven different receivers have caught at least five passes this year, something along those numbers. And I just think that's insane because, you know, you, you know, back in the day, it used to be with Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton, they used to be, you know, you know, Hilton would go for, like, nine catches, 150 yards and two touchdowns, and then you really wouldn't see much else from the receiver group. I don't – I think outside of Paris Campbell week one having that six catches, I don't know if the receivers had more than five catches, really. Right. Um, in a game this year. And, you know, that that could be a good thing and a bad thing because, you know, the defense is going to have to worry about more than one guy. And I thought this week specifically, I thought this could have been a good week for the Colts to pepper T.Y. Hilton with a lot of targets this week uh, just to get his confidence back and everything like that. But clearly he's 
you, we saw those three catches he made. They were big chunk plays. They were over, I think all three of them were over 15 yards. Yeah. So clearly he's got his mojo back, and hopefully he can start – you know, the Colts can start hitting on more 15-yard plays with Hilton uh, going further down the future. But, yeah, I think overall this offense and the passing tag is very balanced, and that's what I, that's what I like about it. Like it's – you know, Pittman could have, you know, three catches for 30 yards. Zach Pascal, 30, three for 30. Hilton, three for 50. Well, like Cox, three for 50. And we, even, we didn't even talk about Jack Doyle. I mean, he right. came back this week. He didn't even have a target this week. Right. And he's a big he's a big part of the passing offense. And then you got Jonathan Taylor on the backfield. They could use him more. Naheem Hines, of course. They're going to get Trey Burton back here in the next week or so. So that's going to be big. So I think, yeah, this offense is going to be very multiple, and it's going to be very balanced. And that's what I, I think Frank Reich and Phillip Rivers are going to be very happy about what this offense looks like. Even though I know it doesn't look great, the offense, the passing numbers, all that. But I think people have to realize that this is really week three. This is, pre, this is basically preseason week three. And I would more worry about what the offense looks like in late October going into November yeah. than I would what it's going to be in September. Right, for sure. And they're still adjusting, like you said. They did. They haven't had a ton of time together, quite honestly. So I definitely agree there. Um, and let's talk about this offensive line. So overall, had a pretty good, you know, pretty good day in the rushing attack. I would say overall from all three of these running backs. Philip Rivers also he didn't get sacked today, which I think is good and important. Um, what were your overall impressions of this offensive line here in Week Three? Yeah, they were pretty good. I mean, it, I mean, just I think the the major key with the offensive line is making sure you get through every game healthy, and that's yeah. that's what they're doing. Nineteen straight games, you know, all five of them have started. Ironically, that started with the Jets last uh, two thousand eighteen. So that's that's a great sign there. But I just think they kind of got honestly, they kind of they didn't look great in the second and third quarters. But I mean, just keeping Philip Rivers upright, especially you know for how lack of immobile he is, really. I don't think he's been sacked more maybe three times this year. And that's a tribute to him getting the ball out fast and, mm-hmm. you know, all that good. But I, this offensive line, it's elite. It, it proved it's elite. You know, obviously the rushing attack or the numbers necessarily weren't, weren't really there. But, I mean, the offensive line, like I, like I told you pre the before the show, I said, man, sometimes matchups aren't just, just aren't great. And I mean, the Colts offensive line didn't look dominant, you know, today. But they were good, and they did what they were needed to do. They kept Rivers clean, and they got the running game uh, as consistent as they really could. Yeah, and I think that's the word. They were efficient. They were consistent. They weren't eye-popping by any means. But, you know, I even posted something on Twitter like, you know, it wasn't the greatest day for the Colts offense, but when they needed to get it done, they did, especially in the red zone like you talked about. And that's what Frank Rice said Yeah, in the, in, in, the, uh, in the locker room after the game. He said, when we needed to make plays, we made them. We made them. That's what the offense is going to be like this year. Yeah, for sure. Well, if there's anything that you probably think the Colts need to work on, what would that be on offense? Probably third downs. Let me look at their third downs from today. But yeah, I think the red zone is starting to come around for them. I think getting Trey Burton back into the offense is going to be a big key. But let me look at their third down. I know their third down the last, the first two weeks wasn't great. Yeah, three of 10. This okay, week. so they were bad again down. this week. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely an improvement needed. And we, and I would have to look back at the numbers from last year, but I know the third down offense wasn't amazing last year. It's something that Frank Reich improves upon each week in each week of the season. And so I think that the third down offense, really, I say situational. So the third down offense or third down offense and red and a situational red zone stuff, those probably need to be improved on. But they were, I think, they were two for two in the red zone today. Mm-hmm. So I think that's um, 
that was a lot better on their end. But I think probably third down offense is probably where probably where they need the one improvement on uh, going up against the uh, former Indianapolis Colt coach Chuck Pagano next week in the Chicago Bears. That's right, the three and zero Chicago Bears somehow, some way. I don't. Yeah, and it's kind of funny though because like it's like it's kind of a misleading three and zero. I feel like because like none of those teams are really eye popping to you, you know. And it's just like, like Tennessee. Tennessee, they squeak out a victory against Denver after missing yep. a bunch of field goals. They squeak out a victory against Jacksonville, and they uh, they squeaked out a one point victory against Minnesota this week. So yeah. they're you know they're uh, kind of I call them a false three and one or three and O team. Yeah, for sure. And that kind of can lead me into what we're going to talk about with the Colts defense that shut down Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook and company last week, and then they go out and they have a pretty much a heyday against this Titans defense. I mean, that's going to make you feel confident for what the Colts did last week. And again, what they did this week, you know, it's like back-to-back really stellar performances from this group. Yeah, it's going to be kind of tough going into next week because as of right now, of course, we don't know who's going to be the starter for the Bears going Mm -hmm. into that game. We don't know if it's going to be Mitch or if it's going to be Nick Foles. I'm going to guess it's Nick Foles, but looking at that Jets defense, I mean, I hate to to say it because I love Sam Darnold, but it's very easy to confuse him when you're running multiple – multiple looks on defense and disguises. And I think I think TJ either TJ Carey or Matt Eberflus said it in the post game press conference that, you know, they disguised that that third interception on on Sam Darnold to um have TJ Carey jump on that pass that led to the second pick six. So yeah, I it's easy to do it against Kirk Cousins and, and Sam Darnold, those type of guys. It's more impressive when you do it against like Ryan Tannehill and Lamar Jackson and Ben Roethlisberger. So, yeah, the Colts defense is looking great now. I think they could be a top 10 unit for sure, and they're, you know, top five right now in the league. But I think we really need to start seeing that in a more consistent manner. And I think it's going to start, you know, once we see Baker in two weeks, and we're going to see, you know, Matt Stafford, who's a good quarterback in a couple weeks. We're going to see Joe Burrow, you know, who's really exciting to watch. So, um, if the defense can continue this, I think the one worry I had for them was, I think they ended up with two or three sacks on the day, and they had a lot of missed sacks on the day. But I think if they're – if if they can continue with consistent pressure up front, that's going to really really help this defense, especially with the fact that you know they're kind of banged up in the secondary. For sure, and you know the Colts talking about this defense. I mean Sam Darnold. I mean I wouldn't say he's a bad quarterback. I just think he doesn't have a ton around him, and he's still young and he's learning still. Um, but you know the Colts pretty much feasted on him all day. He had that one touchdown early on, but three interceptions, two of which went back for touchdowns. Um, the Colts got to him twice. He had a quarterback rating of forty-seven. So the last two weeks, the Colts have. Uh, you know, quarterbacks have had very bad ratings. Kirk Cousins, I believe, had something like a 15 against the Colts. Um, the Colts, for the second week in a row, have three interceptions. Um, after week one, where they had no turnovers, no interceptions at all, um, you know, I felt like overall they did a pretty good job containing this running game. I mean, Frank Gore is your leading rusher. He had 57 yards. He rushed and he was just short of four yards per carry. Um, Overall, I felt like this was, you know, the, the defense was really the strength of this game overall. You know, there were certain points where the Jets were moving a little bit, but ultimately when it came down to it, the Colts' defense really, uh, they held their own and they forced turnovers, and that's that's exactly what you want from this group. Yeah, I think they allowed about 188 yards in the first half. Yeah. And then we're yeah. right around 150 in the second half, and a lot of that was kind of late in the game. So I think the defense, and I think it's something I really appreciate with Matt Eberflus is he's really good at, second half situations and how to game plan in the second half mm-hmm. where we so we've seen you know teams you know struggle and move the ball in the second half so but like I said 
um, it's Sam Darnold and Kirk Cousins. Like, we're not going to see those quarterbacks in late December and early January if the Colts get there. We need to see this against, like, Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield and Ryan Tannehill and all those type of quarterbacks. But one thing I'll add last is you think about that one touchdown Sam Darnold had, he avoided, like, three sacks on that play. <laughs> yeah, he, I he know. He lost about three sacks. So if you really think about it, I mean, if the Colts – and that's something I tweeted earlier. I said, man, this defensive line is struggling to get Sam Darnold to the ground. He probably lost about four or five sacks in the first half. But I mean, yeah. if they get him down there, who knows? Maybe the Colts only give up three points on that day. Right, for sure. And that's something they're going to have to improve on. I mean, I guess the good thing, like you said, Sam, is they're getting consistent pressure. It's just actually getting the quarterback down. You know, Sam Darnold, though, like, I'll give him credit. He's hard to take down sometimes. He's a little slippery back there in the pocket. So, you know, obviously the Colts need to improve in that area. But that was just an incredible play by Sam Darnold. Like, I'll give him props for that. Yeah, and he had one last week against the 49ers where he rolled out left and threw, it, threw the thing sidearm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, you know, overall, though, the Colts only held the Jets to 260 yards, which I think is pretty, you know, you'll take that. Um, obviously, the rushing yards, 109, 151 allowed passing yards. So it wasn't anything like chunk plays. I think the Colts still had a pretty good day on defense, despite some moments where the Jets were moving a little bit. Um, um, but, you know, overall, I think the, obviously the biggest difference is the turnovers. The Colts forced three, and they didn't turn it over one. So um, I think that is, that's the biggest thing for this game. Um, the last thing we'll talk about is the special teams unit. We'll specifically talk about Rodrigo Blankenship. We mentioned this off air a little bit, Sam. It was just kind of funny how Rodrigo goes six for six from, you know, Week one through week three, when he makes his first field goal, he attempted three. He, he went two out of three today. When he misses his second one, there's a there's this random people that are just like, why did we let Chase McLaughlin go? You know, and I, I was a big proponent of Chase McLaughlin, but like Rodrigo Blankenship came back to his credit, kicked a third field goal from longer and made it. So overall, I was impressed with with him despite the miss. And with all the turmoil, man, that you see with these kickers, I mean, for him to miss only two field goals so far, and really, it, it seems like it hasn't got to his head. He's been perfect on extra points so far. Um, you know, I give him credit for coming back. He's done that twice now where he's missed a field goal, he's come back, and he's made a field goal. So overall, I'll be curious your impressions and your thoughts on Rodrigo Blankenship's day. I mean, if you really think about it, especially those ones, the kicks after he missed, that's the ones I really watch because, yeah. you know, you know, kicker, kicker confidence can waver left and right really hard each and every kick. And I think the one positive I can take from, uh, from specs is basically that, you know, he hits them all straight. I, I mean, I know it's crazy to say, but he hits them all straight. I mean, you think about the two misses he's had, he hit them right off the crossbar, or right off the goalpost. So, yeah. I mean, it's not like he missed them way left and duck took, duck hooked them like Adam and Terry did last year. So it's right. not like he's kicking the ball bad. He's just sometimes it's called it's basically like a polar push, I'd say, in golf. But you know, sometimes he pulls it just a little bit to the left, and sometimes he pushes it just a little bit to the right and hits the crossbar and it doesn't go in. I mean, that's just how it is. I mean, he got one from an extra point where it went off the crossbar and went in. So right. uh, I think I mean for him being a rookie kicker and having no experience in the NFL, I think he's done great. Yeah. If he can hit if he can hit over 80% of his field goals. And, you know, he's basically a 90, 90% inside of 40 yards. I will gladly take that, especially if he's making all of his extra points. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's one of my keys every week. I say, make your effing kicks. Right. And I mean, he's, he's basically done all year, but I want to give yeah. credit to Rigo, Rigo Sanchez for a minute. Yes. You got to think about it. I can't, I couldn't find the average uh, starting position for the jets and the Colts haven't, I think they punt like three times all year, four times all year, but even on the kickoffs, like, 
he is getting them. He's getting opposing offenses to start inside the 20 yard line almost every time I feel like when he's actually kicking it into the field of play. And like every kickoff I watched today, they were all within one or two yards of the of the um, of the end zone. So they had to return it. And you think about it last week against the Vikings. They had he had a punt down at the one yard line result in the safety. They had to kick off from the 50 yard line today results in a safety after they backed them up. So Rico is sneakily put some points on the board for the Colts. If you really think about it, backing the teams up in the, in the end zone. So I think Rigo really needs some props because he's been putting the teams, the opposing teams into some really negative field positions. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I, I, I love what he's been doing. And I love just a special teams unit. seems like they're really uh, one of the best in the league, you know, and that, and that is huge. Like, you know, if you're starting and you're having good field position and the other team is, you know, back in their own 10 yard line, like that's huge for a game. And I definitely agree that that definitely I'll give him credit. He had a great game as well. So I thought it was a good, good solid day from the special teams unit. Once again, um, I really loved what I saw there. And that works for the Colts advantage too. Cause if you guys, if you get teams backed up inside to like the 20 yard line, you know, and they get maybe one, one first down, they're punting to you and you get the ball about the 40 to 50 yard line. So that works for your offense too. You get good field position there. So yeah. really I just, and I think they said on the broadcast, Rigo hasn't had a touchback since like middle of 2019 or to the 2018 season, which is just an yeah. insane stat to think of. I think it was week two last year. They said, yeah. And that's just insane to think of. Cause I remember when Pat was kicking, it just seemed like every time he got it inside the five dudes were, you know, sliding on top of the ball and grabbing it and landing it in the end zone somehow. Yeah. It's, just, right. it's, it's insane stat. And I, I, you gotta give credit to Chris Boward. I mean, I, it's crazy to say, but he's done a really good job at finding core special teams guys. He has. Yeah. I mean, that, we even saw that in the draft this year with Jordan Glasgow. I mean, he, he really values that special teams. And I mean, really, we've said it like special teams can win you and lose you games. We saw that, unfortunately, on the negative side last year a lot with with Vinatieri and stuff like that. But I definitely agree, Sam. I'm really excited for the special teams unit. They're young and it seems like they're some of the best in the league. So really, really encouraged by that. And, man, it's just crazy. The last two weeks at home, the Colts are now 2-0 at home. They've outscored their opponents by a score of 64-18. to I mean, that, that's, that's called domination at home, man. I mean, that, that's, that's what you love to see right there. And I know it's the Jets and the Vikings, but still, you're doing what you're supposed to do, right? And that's what we saw, man, back in the Manning days. You know, you proved like you were one of the best teams in the league when you dominated teams you were supposed to dominate. And that has been a trend that the Colts have not – done well honestly I mean they've struggled to play down to competition we saw that a lot last year we've seen that with Frank Reich a couple times so overall this game even though I thought it was going to be a blowout I'm very happy with the way the Colts responded that they didn't get too high from their victory last week they come out they handle their business and man it's just it's very encouraging to see from this group and that's the sign between a decent good football team that goes seven seven and nine or eight and eight and a team that wins 11 12 games and goes to the playoffs you handle your business against bad teams. The Colts are 11 and a half point favorite for a reason because they're a far better team than the New York Jets. And they went out and they improved it. Hell, they won by 29 points. Yeah. And they scored 29 unanswered points. I mean, and then they beat, they handled the Vikings last week. They handled the Jets this week. Hopefully they can handle the Bears next week. I don't think the Bears are as good as their record shows. Right. Their defense is pretty good, but their offense has been pretty, pretty up and down throughout the season. So, I mean, if the Colts, that's that's just a sign of a good team. You handle your business against the bad teams, and you play good against the good teams. You don't have any of those letdown games like I would say week one is. And I know 
you know, the Jaguars are not the most talented team in the league, but it's week one. Everyone's got a chance week one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Jaguars literally started off 1-0 and were, you know, a made field goal from Tennessee away from being 2-0. And they would have been 2-0 in the division and they would be in first place right now in the AFC South. Yeah, yeah but definitely. So you, and you really think about it. I mean, you know, everyone's got a chance the first month of the season, really. And so for the Colts to handle their business against some inferior opponents at home, hopefully that can translate on the road once once we go to Chicago and Cleveland these next two weeks. But it's just showing that the Colts are a lot better than they were last year because they're handling their business against some inferior opponents, like something they really kind of didn't do last year. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it's so refreshing, man. So, so refreshing that we're not sitting here like we were a couple years ago you know, trying to scrape our way back into playoff contention. Like, that was, you know, obviously that was a great run in 2018. But I, I don't know about you, man, but I was sick and tired of that. Like, let's stop starting so slow and then having to claw our way back into the playoffs. I mean, it makes great for drama, but still it's like, no, go out there and handle your business against the teams you're supposed to beat. And let's get this thing rolling, man. I mean, seeding is important, and and I think that's something that we really want. If, if we really want a shot at this division, we could not afford to get out to a weak start like we have the last couple of years. So I'm super encouraged, super excited to see what happens. And, yeah, the Colts are going to have a tough challenge. I mean, going into Soldier Field is never an easy task. But like you said, I think the Bears on paper, um, the last you know the three weeks of the season, they're 3-0. and but uh, I don't think they're as good of a 3-0 and as maybe some think. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. In week four for the Indianapolis Colts, they've had a two-game home stretch. They sit here at 2-1 and one now on the season, just behind Tennessee for the division lead. So hopefully Tennessee also gets caught up with them and they lose next week, and then the Colts can have the same record as them if they go and t- handle their business down in Chicago. But all righty, that'll do it for this recap. Colts win big again at home. They sit at 2-1 and one on the season. Thank you, Sam, for coming on, talking Colts football a little bit. Let's hope for a victory here in week four, man. Yeah.